welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and as always, I'm joined by my friend, Mike. Hey! So today, we're diving back into the world of the Wheel of Time, this time with Season 2 on Amazon, sorry, with Episode 1, which is titled... A Taste Yum of Solitude. The yum part's not in there, but you get it. <laughs> A Taste of Solitude. All right. So before we dive into this, just give and give out the typical reminders... If you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at Fantasy Rewind Pod. On X, we are at Fantasy Rewind. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that too, which is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. All right, without any farther delay, let's dive into the rewind. Fantasy Rewind. All right, Dylan, season two, episode one, we're back into the world of real time. How are you feeling about it? Well, so my feelings are incredibly torn. (laughs) So as everyone who's ever listened to this podcast from the beginning knows, we had some issues with Wheel of Time Season 1. Yeah. Despite it being one of our favorite... Book series. I say one of our, because... One of our favorite book series. Mike's favorite series. So, like, there was so much hype going into this, and then Wheel of Time Season 1 was a bit of a letdown. However, I got reeled back in with some of the promos and the trailers for season two, and I was getting excited, and then episode one hits, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this day one, and then I get on and see that there's three episodes, not just one, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. So I start watching episode one, and I found it inoffensive. That's how I will, mostly inoffensive, How is how I'll uh, qualify my what I thought of episode one. Um, I thought overall there were some things that I enjoyed about it. Mm-hmm. There were some things that I did not. <laughs> and um, that's that's something we'll, we'll talk about and uh, differentiate between the two and everything. Mike, what were your general thoughts, though, about episode one yourself? So we might actually have a bit of a difference of opinion on this. So... I was there. Uh, there were a few things, obviously, I have an issue with, but um, overall, I was just happy to be back in the world. And su- I surprisingly thought that with the time skip they did, mm-hmm. which at first was a little irritating, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yes, i i like I like what they're doing, and I kind of I think maybe it's just because I haven't thought about the first season in so long. I'm like, oh, that makes sense that they're doing this if they're trying to shorten the series up. They're okay. They're combining these characters. They're um, moving this event up and sort of they're doing a few different things with it. And I was like, well, that makes sense. So I was okay with it in terms of it setting up the next couple of episodes. I did not watch the next two episodes like you did. Uh, So I don't have any episode two or episode three in my brain, like pushing, pulling at me. I'm just episode one but i'm excited today dive into it today we're just talking episode one we're not gonna get into episode two and three as much as i might want to talk about them but we're going with just episode one and keeping our discussion to all of that information correct yeah so uh i think it's just good to for us to sort of give a big overview of kind of what's happened we start off here with a we find out a time skip but before that, we have a meeting of dark friends, as you come to find out, because there's a little girl dark playing outside. Hmm? 
The Dark Friend Social. Yeah, the Dark Friend Social. And ice cream social, except there's no ice cream. Uh, probably just blood and, you know, bad vibes. Anyway, uh, well, they tried to turn this around a little bit. The Trollocs are coming in, and this little girl runs in. And we come to find out later on that this little girl was... I think she was part of that party that got murdered. That's what it looked like to me as well. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Um, anyway, in this group we have the dark friend or the dark um, dark one's lieutenant, the one that ran face at the end. Who? Shamael. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, which they didn't give his name again, so. And we have some interesting little hints here. And I liked this. I liked this scene because it very much is reminiscent of, I forget which book's intro, but there is a group of dark friends that are talking. And I'm pretty sure it is like The Great Hunt or one of those. uh, I think it is book two. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really cool. You see everyone in kind of their different garb. There's someone in Shinaran garb, someone in uh, Sanshan garb. Uh, Someone has a black Aes Sedai ring. And... So it was really interesting kind of seeing seeing all this. The, we end up having uh, the little girl go back out and touching a Trolloc's face. And I, I think it's to give you sort of maybe some empathy for this group of people. I'm not sure what the purpose of what was, was for this scene, but it was kind of, it was, I was like, okay, cool. Any thoughts yeah, on no, that? Yeah, my scene? general... My general thoughts on the scene is that the way that they did it, I really liked. Like, I thought from the perspective of the little girl looking around, giving you hints about who might be there. Because that's what I really want to see with the dark friends in this show. Is I want them to be hinted at. I want mystery around who is good, who is evil. Is somebody evil that we don't expect? Like what happens in the books. So, like, I'm wanting that mystery. And I thought that doing it through the perspective of a little girl looking around under the table was a smart way to do it. The whole part about Ishamael being like, oh, do I look like a monster? Do Are they really monsters or are they just hungry? I thought for sure he was feeding her to the Trollocs. I did too. I thought for sure that she was ending up in a cook pot. Kind of wish she did, to be honest. That would have been better than having tame Trollocs because, like, I don't know. That well, was fine, him but... him taming yeah. the Trollocs is fine. Him taming the Trollocs is fine, yes. But having the girl, like, pet a Trolloc, I didn't know what the point I was... was I, yeah, I didn't was, quite yeah. get the point there, too. That's why I was like, are they trying to, like, humanize him in a little bit, in a, in a mm. way? And I'm like, they shouldn't be. They should not do that, no. But, anyway... But yeah, all in all, I liked that scene. I thought that it was a, a cool way to represent it. Then we sort of get... In the next couple scenes here, the I'm just going to do broad overviews here because I don't want to go beat yeah. by beat. But we have Moraine and Land sort of retreat, if you will. Um, and you get also Perrin and Loyal as they are chasing after the Horn of Alir, the hunt, with Uno and the rest of Shinarans. Oh, and who's their tracker? No one but Elias. Elias. I was like, he's their sniffer. They actually say the word sniffer, which I thought was interesting because it's like a call out to Huron, even if it's basically saying they're not going to have him. But hey, this is our sniffer. Yeah. So again, combining characters, and I like it. Yeah. Now I don't. I thought so too. Necessarily like how he was portrayed in this first episode. He just seemed like he was just like walking around. I was like, is he is he blind? Like he's just sort of just like 
the, he was very stiff, which I thought was weird. Yeah. He should have been more like aloof and, um, like I, I get that he wouldn't want to be like all up with the people, but I don't know. I was hoping for a little bit more from him, but it's okay. There's more room for him to grow as we go into the next couple episodes. For uh, sure. I think the next few episodes, we should see his character expand more. Yes. And then we have the Tar Valon or Tar Valon friends. So that is Moraine and Egwene right now with Alana. And I, you know what? I really do like that they're bringing Alana's character more to the forefront because she was really a side character, uh, not even a side character, like a background character in the books. Yeah, like a fourth, fifth tier character. Yeah. But she, she, she's one that really, I think. They've done justice by bringing her to the forefront and making her more of a mentor to Egwene and um, uh, Nynaeve. And we also have Matt in there a little bit. So which one do you want to kind of focus on first? Let's talk about Moraine and Land first. Let's run through their entire arc and then we'll move on to the girls and then end with Matt. So this was interesting. Um, They are at a villa countryside estate um for so they're at at elias and van Deen's house yeah. except in the show here van Deen doesn't exist and it's varen yes. and Adelias. i was gonna say yeah it's yeah. varen and Adelias. and in the book we have the two sisters are retired and they own this home whereas in this one it seems it's just Adilis, who's retired? Maybe Varen is too. Varen's a little more personable in this. And I don't hate it. Um, I don't hate it either. I thought Varen was perfectly fine in this episode, yeah. Yeah, I like her. I Honestly, I think the actress who's playing her like kind of ma- matches up a little bit with how I pictured her. Same. And Same. I'm going to be honest, she's actually pretty attractive. <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, Varen got hot. Um, huh, I want to go that far. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, yeah, I'm digging your vibe. Um, we also get Bail Doman. So uh, let's let's kind of come back here. That Moraine is still shielded, still cut off from the source. Whatever. We're almost hundred. She's shielded. She's a hundred percent shielded. It has not been explicitly said that she's shielded. She thinks she's stilled. Yes. So she has At least no she's access. Implied she's stilled. Yeah. No access to the power. And we know she's going to get it back. I mean, of course, come on, she has to, yeah. has to. But I do like that they're kind of like, in a way, I do like they're exploring this a bit um, because it does show the effects of being cut off from the source early on, of being shielded. It'll sort of set that up as we get farther into the series because that does become more of a thing the farther mm-hmm. we go into the books. So getting it out of the way now. I don't hate, and that would give her a reason to go to their house to research and all, everything else. And it it does sort of combine the sister's house and when she was calling um, people to her her informants, as it seems she's doing here to get information. It combines the two, and we get one of our favorite characters, side characters in the book, Bell Doman, is actually one of her informants. It seems. Uh, which I don't th- that wasn't how the case in the book. That was not how it was in the books, no. But I think that the portrayal of Bell Doman was fantastic. I loved the guy that had play in him. I thought that he did a great job. 
in the books, the first time we meet Belle was when he rescues, like, Lan and Matt, taking them down the river, um, and everything after they get separated, um, you know, leaving Shadow Logoth. And but he does, he does name drop kind of, like, those locations where... He does. He does. So it was good. They're giving... Bring they're, up White Harbor and... Yeah. yeah. They're, they're giving those breadcrumbs, which, if you're going to have to condense the series, I think that's a great way to do it. You know, yeah. give fan service... Combine characters that you need to. I will say one of my least favorite parts of this arc here that we have going on is the objectification of land, basically, by Adelaide. I thought that was stupid. I thought that why would an Aes Sedai who's hundreds of year o- years old be basically drooling over a shirtless man? I was like, okay. Yeah, well, I think in the book she was a green, too, and she did she may have made she was a brown just oh, like her sister never mind yeah her sister was a green I, i'm pretty sure they were one both of, browns i'm pretty sure one of them was like maybe i'm wrong i might yeah anyway oh, no, i think you might be right one of them was like an adoptive brown because she lived with her sister yeah. Who, yeah you're right about that so anyway it doesn't matter Anyways, tomas about, is there yeah. love it i liked tomas's portrayal yes. thought that was great um i think that was good and i i do like too that like they like Varen and them kind of got him to start seeing Moraine's struggle a bit, and it's like we don't have this bond anymore. But we've been together for twenty years. What are you going to do to communicate and get back right. together? I was hoping here because at the end of the episode, you know, they get into a fight with um, some Merdral, some Merdral. I w- I was kind of hoping the Drakkar would have showed up. That would have been cool. Yeah, I think that they used the Merdral attack as a replacement for the Drakkar, and they're probably just not going to include the Drakkar in the series, which is honestly 100% fine. They're very rarely used. And they really never made a whole lot of sense to use anyway. Yeah. Like, why would you use that instead of, like, a Merdral? So, I did kind of find it was interesting. I did like that they had, like, the Merdral kind of going through the shadows. That was cool. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I brought, I wanted to bring that up too. They did see the merge all teleportation kind of weaving in and out of those shadows, going from place to place quickly through the, and I thought that was done really well. Um, I do want to just kind of run through their whole arc and talk about that last scene with them fighting the merge all. So with that scene there, that honestly was probably one of my least favorite parts of this episode. Because we got to see weak boy Lan, because yeah. Lan is a Lan is useless in this show, apparently, instead of being the badass he is. I would agree with this. <laughs> Moraine stabs one in the face, and then Lan, I'm just sitting there watching it, and I was like, Alexis was next to me, and I was like, he's just getting his ass kicked. I was yeah. like, he's not yeah. getting any hits or anything. Like, I was like, what the heck? She was like, well, you know, like... I, he, I was like, he just keeps getting cut. She was like, yeah, but she got cut too. I was like, yes, she did. But Lan's like one of the best fighters in the entire universe of Wheel of Time. So he would slice and dice three Merdral up in the blink of an eye. Well, if that. not three. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But I mean, like he would face one on one. He would beat it. Because like yes. in the books, they talked about how the only people who have faced one on one, like Merdral one on one and one was like land. No, they say that you earn a name when you beat a Merdral one-on-one. You get like a little attachment to the end of your name there or whatever. But Lan is portrayed 
throughout the entire series as one of, if not the best, best fighter in the entire world. Yeah. And some of the stuff he does throughout, especially the later arcs in the books, um, he takes out some pretty impressive people by himself. And so I just thought the portrayal of Lan, of him not being able to handle himself in this situation, was weak sauce. Was definitely weak sauce. Agreed. I did like I did like at the end where Tomas came in with like the flaming sword and like oh that part was awesome. I was like <laughs> don't get me wrong so that cool. scene was cool. Yeah, but how they portrayed Lan in that yeah. was god awful. I agree. I I do agree. I'm glad we were kind of on the same page on that one. Um, that he should have ha- handled. I, I I still think we could have same came to the same outcome, but like had him. Instead of him being a punching bag, having him maybe be overwhelmed by even more Murdral or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I think it could have... Yeah. It's whatever, yeah. though. It's done, and now um, Land's like, what have you gotten us? Like, what are you not telling yeah. me? And yeah. I think we left out a piece here. Bale Doman did give Moraine a poem. And yes. I'm pretty sure it's yes. a prophecy. Oh, it's definitely a prophecy. It's definitely a prophecy. And I have a feeling that this poem that we're going to be, that we got here, is going to take effect in episode four, is my my prediction. But we'll see. We'll see if it is or not. Okay. Interesting. I will be intrigued. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, that's kind of Moraine and Land's storyline at this point in time. They're by themselves. Again, the t- title of this episode is A Taste of Solitude. Each of these groups is kind of in their own. They're very isolated. Yeah. Each group is very isolated from each other. Uh, yeah. None more so than Matt, who I think we can, we'll cover after we did do Egwene Nynaeve. Oh, we should also have Perrin and Loyal, too. Well, yeah. Do you want to do them next? They're yeah, let's do quick. them. So Perrin and Loyal are chasing after the Horn of Valir with Uno and the other Shinarans, who we all thought were dead at the end of. Right, yeah, they magically healed between end of season one and now. I was like, wait, I knew they were back, but yeah. are you going to explain anything about how they yeah. survived that attack? Maybe a flashback, that'd be cool. No. I, or just even say, oh, we got healed by whatever. Yeah, like, you could you could make that so quick. I just, yeah. I wish they did something that, that was my issue with the time skip. Um, I like that, you know, it's like, oh, all of a sudden we're in, Egwene and Nynaeve's in the tower, and this is happening, but it's like, how did we like get, get here? there? You know, yeah. did Moraine just like leave you guys high and dry? Did she take you back to the tower? Like what, what happened here? Um, maybe just a little bit of an explanation or name drop here and there would, would have been great. But I think, yeah, you hit it right there. How did they suddenly get healed? Um, but I, I do like with the group with Perrin that when they're talking, you you get some of like their past adventures, some of the things that happened in the book that they're just not going through and explaining, where they yeah. almost caught Pat and Fane, and um, in this particular episode, we're seeing that they caught up where Pat and Fane and his Trollocs butchered a bunch of people. Yeah, and we got to see how they're going to do the Wolf Brother like enhanced senses bit, which is basically visions of what happened to like explain the smell of what's going on around them which i'm fine with how do you feel about that portrayal i'm fine with it i mean otherwise it would get it would be too much like in your head in his head thinking and like 
you know, this sort of is like a quick like, okay, yes, he's seeing this thing because of the wolf vision. And he'll have that explained to him from Elias. Yeah, I thought that it was a great way to do it because on page you can talk about how the smell smells a certain way. You can't really do that in live action. You basically, or else you'd just be in someone's head, like hearing their thoughts or whatever. It would not work as well as just like a quick vision, ghostly vision of what happened. And so I thought that was done well. Yeah, I did too. Unfortunately, there's not really too much to talk about with them right now. Like, I mean, we sort of hit it on the head. (laughs) They're the one thing I will bring up that we didn't mention earlier is at the Dark Friend Social, we saw Uh, Pot and Fame. Yes, we did. And so I thought that was interesting because he hasn't made he kind of breaks off. So but he hasn't gotten to see the dagger yet. Yeah, he has. Oh, he does have the dagger. Yeah. Oh yeah, they did show that in the. That's what that's what he stabs loyal and all of them with at the end of season one. Which is why it's so weird that they're surviving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to be interested to yeah, see... But yeah, I just thought that was like a nice little tidbit of seeing Pot and Fane at the Dark Friend Social. But. Yeah. And we're not even sure how he got the knife. No. No idea. Hmm. Yeah, I wish they would go in a little bit more and explain that. Maybe a flashback from Matt at some point this season would help with that. We'll see if they do that. Yeah. Which, yeah. Anyway, uh, I do want to just bring up one thing about the hints of Dark Friends. I think they are doing a nice job, at least um, for those who have read the books who know who a Dark Friend is, they are starting to layer that in a little bit. With yeah, so I guess that's a that's a good conversation to have right now, actually, is how far do we want to reveal our knowledge of who's a Dark Friend and who's not? I think we, maybe we don't. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I agree with you. I did want to bring that up, but... I was going to do it more directly. So I do think that they are doing a nice job because dark friends are everywhere. That's the truth. And so finding like ways to hint at different dark friends and everything throughout the series. I'm, I really want them to do it. Like I said, add some mystery, have it be more kind of subjective. Who's a dark friend and everything versus like straight up telling you, Oh, this character is a dark friend. That character is a dark friend. More of like vague hints and then maybe some big reveals later on that might shock you. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's go into the t- Tarvalon. Tarvalon. Tarvalon? No, Tarvalon. Not Tar-Valon. I refuse. I know, whatever. Anyway, the Aes Sedai storyline, which does include yes. Matt's, and we'll get to his probably last. I'll be interested yep. to hear your thoughts. Um, so we have Egwene and Nynaeve, and they are now novices, a.k.a. the bitches of the Aes Sedai world. They are doing all the chores. They're cleaning up after people. They're walking in as people are having threesomes. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, casual every day, you yeah. know. I I liked I liked the that they showed them doing that. I liked that uh alana came down and was doing a lesson about taking the earth and the water out and then nynaeve was like fine i'll just drink the dirty water yep Um, yep love that scene i thought that was all great really well done honestly i have no complaints whatsoever with the Aes Sedai portrayal i do think it's interesting that nynaeve is fighting with the warriors though that that was kind of like that was weird. That was weird because they, she wouldn't have been allowed to do that. She would not have been allowed to do that. I also do take a little issue with how arrogant and abrasive they're allowing Nynaeve the to novices be. to be towards Aes Sedai. 
Yeah. Because that would not have flown. They would have been sent to the Mistress of Novices and gotten the slipper or whipped or whatever. Yeah, but, well, they're going to not do that, um, you yeah. know, because that, that leads to other issues. Yeah, I mean, but I, I still think, like, that they should have made them show more respect yes, towards the Aes Sedai than, yeah. than what they have done. Because Nynaeve isn't just being, like, arrogant. She's being straight up aggressively defiant against yeah. the Aes Sedai, which Nynaeve is angry and does but require she, a lot of she, guidance, but she is respectful. Yeah, she does it in when they're not there. Yes, yeah. yes. Um. I do. Th- what did you think about kind of Sherium, the mistress of novices? We got to see her with all her white haired glory. Yeah, no. So just in general, I uh, I understand how they're portraying the Aes Sedai because you can't realistically give somebody an ageless face because if they tried to do some kind of CGI effect on it, everyone would be complaining about how bad it looks. So I understand them leaning in. That being said, I think that they should have hired younger actresses to play the Aes Sedai and said, oh, yeah, I'm 100 years old. And it, the girl looks like she's in, or the woman looks like she's in her 30s or something like that. Um, maybe 40s and 50s. But I think that Shiryam looks too old. That's my general impression of her. I also think she's not nearly as strong-willed enough as she needs to be to be Shiryam. Yeah, at least for right now, yeah, I'd agree with you. Because Shiryam is notably, like, she has notably red hair in the books. And that's, like, a big part of, like, how youthful she looks is due to her her robust red hair. So I wonder if they're I'm, combining her character with someone else. I don't know who they'd combine her with. They've already done Varen and Adelius and... Some of the other people. And we already know Cad Swain is going to be her own character. Yeah. And Cad Swain is much, much older than Shiryam. Because Shiryam's about, supposed to be about as old as Moraine. Mm. And so Cad Swain is a couple hundred years older. And we know the actress that they're going to have for Cad Swain. And she looks way younger than the person they have playing Shiryam. So... I guess my biggest complaint with Shiryam is that they just picked an actress who looks too old. I understand, like, the the older, wiser mistress of novices, the principal, basically, but I, she's too old. It doesn't bother. It honestly didn't bother me, but the red hair thing was a bit of a, like, that's, like, her defining character. <laughs> Unfortunately, one of her defining traits was her red hair, so having that in there would have been nice. I'm surprised mm-hmm. we haven't gotten Elaine yet, but I'm sure we will get her next episode or two so and you know yeah, i know i was i was very surprised that we did not get elaine in the class right there with Nynaeve and Egwene. um i did think that um just as i'm talking about this this portrayal of the i said i and everything i thought that it was interesting how like how sexual they made alana because it's not just Egwene walking in on her having a threesome with her warders and being told to scrub the floors while she gets hers. But on top of that, when Egwene goes to Alana later in the episode to talk about the lesson, Alana starts giving her sex advice right off the bat. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, I understand and it's fine, but like, this is a little like much even for Alana. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely making her a little bit more sexual. Um, I, I, to me, it's whatever. I don't really... It's whatever, but, I mean, it's 
it's just a departure and it's interesting well yeah that was honestly something that never happened in the books but you know they yeah. want to bring some of that in t- because to make this show a little more spicy they've adulted it up a bit yeah let's just leave it at that uh, yeah. yeah whatever anyway um, i do so want to talk about leandrin so we had a, this talk off air ahead, yeah where leandrin's character it is leandrin she has they've taken her and Elida's character in the book and they have put them together uh, at least it looks that way right now. Yes. With Leandrin having had a novice die under her tutelage, so she was banned from instructing. She is very much against men and warders. She is also um, really trying to... She's very much power, right? That is what's important yeah. to her. All about the power. All about power. And that is very much Elida's character in the book. She wants the tower to be strong and whole, but she has the vision of it and how it should be versus uh, some of her blue and green sisters. Yeah, so I thought that Leandrin is honestly one of the stronger portrayals of uh, the Aes Sedai in the show, in my opinion. I think that the way that they have her just kind of being laser-focused about power about, you know, trying to foster and and gain power for herself and her Aja, I think that that's done quite well. I like Leandrin in the show for what she's supposed to be. I don't like her, but I'm not supposed to like her. Yeah, I think her, her portrayal has been great. Um, one other thing that ha- kind of happens with Egwene and Nynaeve is they get a letter from Perrin, and it's Beltine. It's just sort of like... A, a way to say that they're all separated, but they're still connected. And that was very much the point of this episode, I think, is that all of them are, you know, doing their own thing at this time. And, and I, I do want to jump in really quick and just bring up that at this point, everybody thinks that Rand is dead. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's true. They do. It's hard for, honestly, I forgot because I was just like, Oh yeah, he's alive. (laughs) Yeah. And you do get a little glimpse of him in some village. Um, the very very end at the very very end and after like the letter leandrin is also reading that letter but to a matt cawthon who is locked in the tower somewhere we're assuming and um can't leave we're not quite sure why well we know i know why i mean well like he says he hasn't touched the dagger in six months he you know, he's not a threat really to them. I think it's to probably to control him because he is, um, you know, oh my gosh, what is that called? The way the, it weaves around them. Oh, so he is Telviren. Telviren, yeah. He is Telviren, so maybe it's to control Telviren. We don't know, but he's slowly chipping his way out. We know he's going to escape. He'll probably hook up with. Egwene and Nynaeve and they'll help him escape and that'll be a thing. Not sure yet, but it'll be interesting to see because they are sort of taking his... They took him out of the first... out of the first um, season and they've sort of taken his character from the third book, I want to say. Kind That's of what skipped. it seems like is that it's almost like they're t- trying to take Matt straight to book three Matt, which is the best version of him from then on. But my impression is that they have him in prison because Moraine sent that letter to the Reds 
saying, hey, Matt Cawthon is coming. You should grab him. And so they listened to Moraine and grabbed him up. And I think in particular, Leandrin is watching over him and is interested in him because, again, power. She doesn't know why exactly Moraine is interested in Matt, but she knows that Moraine is interested in Matt. So she's like, well, if Moraine is interested in you, why and can it benefit me to hang on to you? But I also wanted to say it's notable, in my opinion, that when Leandrin is reading the letter to Matt, she excludes the last part that says maybe someday Matt will even find his way back to the group. Yeah. And she lies straight up to Matt saying no mention of Matt Cawthon anywhere. So, Well, does <clears throat> it, did it say Matt Cawthon? Yes. Did it uh, no, say... No, did not say Matt Cawthon. Exactly. So, that, so I love that little... I love that you were like, she lied, but yeah. technically, she didn't lie. <laughs> she just gave the eyes to eye truth. And yes. I think this yes. is good, too, because this is going to bring in his... Uh, distrust of Aes Sedai. Yep. yep. This, is, this, this will explain exactly why Matt has a problem with Aes Sedai later in the books, more so than it did in the book. Yeah. Honestly. honestly. Yeah. So I'm cool with it, and I'm excited to see where we go in the next couple episodes. I am very excited to talk to you about the next two episodes, so... <laughs> I will watch them soon. I will... Uh, I'll have to... Possible. We'll have to talk soon after yeah. you watch them. So. Probably do the next one tonight. <laughs> So maybe maybe we'll even talk again tomorrow. Who knows? Cool, cool. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> all right, but that's gonna do it for us here. Um, all in all, Mike. So what were your overall impressions? I am happy of to be back one? into the world. That's what I yeah. honestly, you know, I I think coming taking so much time away off and then coming back and just being like, yes, I'm back. Like, okay, I see them morphing some characters together. Like, they're okay, they're making it work. They're making it work. That's so I'm okay with it right now. And just happy to be here. Let's keep going. In general, I feel the same way. I, I am nitpicking. I am, you know, <clears throat> having some issues with what's being done, but I already expected that to happen. I am just happy to kind of be back in Wheel of Time world. I want to just like enjoy it as much as I can. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, We'll talk more about how the next few episodes impact our views or, or not. So, <laughs> all right. But that's going to do it for for us for this episode. So if you want to share your thoughts with us, like gave you the socials, gave you the email, let us know. Are you watching season two, Wheel of Time? If not, why are you listening to this episode? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just let us know your thoughts on it and how you would like to see them do things differently, what you've enjoyed and all that good stuff. But this is going to be two nerds signing off. See ya. See ya.